A reading from the book of Numbers. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them, This is how you bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. So shall they invoke my name upon the Israelites, and I will bless them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God have pity on us and bless us. May he let his face shine upon us. So may your way be known upon the earth, among all nations, your salvation. May God bless us in his mercy. May God bless us in his mercy. May the nations be glad and exult because you rule the peoples in equity. The nations on the earth you guide. May God bless us in his mercy. May God bless us in his mercy. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May God bless us, and may all the ends of the earth fear him. May God bless us in his mercy. May God bless us in his mercy. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to ransom those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. As proof that you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in a manger that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all of these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It's, it's customary, as one begins to, uh, in a secular way, to uh, wish all of you a year of uh, happiness, peace, and wealth. Uh, now about wealth, I don't know. Uh, that's between you, your accountant, and uh, God, or the IRS. Uh, However, I, I, I don't know if this is true, okay? I don't know if it's true, I can't verify it. But I've been told this. That, according to a very reliable source though, that when one dies and one is blessed enough to arrive in the verandas of heaven up above, and one is ushered in by Peter, it's a magnificent place beyond imagination. And there's one thing, though, that seems to both shock and somewhat annoy the newly arrived. They find out when they get there that uh, they still have to eat. Now, the food is great, as you can imagine. But what's kind of upsetting is that the food is served cafeteria-style which means they have to stand in line. And this never sits well with those who are in their own estimation uh, are there to be served rather than to serve. But nonetheless, this great egalitarian democracy is there. First come, first serve, and the newly arrived, as the British say, queue up right to the front there so that when the food comes out, they get it and so on and so forth like this. So one day, they're all standing in line, ready for the food to come. And while they're standing there waiting, kind of shifting their weight because they're anxious and they want to eat, the doors to the cafeteria swing open. And into the cafeteria walks 
this rather tall kind of business, um, well, somewhat of a sourpuss, walks in, and he's got a copy of the New York Times under one armpit and the San Francisco Chronicle under the other, dressed in a Brooks Brothers suit and carrying a calculator. And he walks right to the front of the line, right to the front, right there. Even Peter is in back, stands right there. Well, one of the newly arrives becomes very upset over this and says, did, did you see that? Did you see that guy that came in here and went right to the front of the line? And one of the old veterans says, calm down, calm down. That's God. He thinks he's an IRS agent. <laughs> now, I can't swear that that's true. But uh, you never can tell. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, today, one of the kind of normal pieces of New Year's Day furniture that we all engage in, I suppose, is the making of resolutions. You know, um, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat less. That's after a whole month and a half of gouging ourselves. And so today is the last day that you can do that. And you want to know why you're schizophrenic. Okay, I have no idea. Uh, and, well, look at your television. You'll be inundated with all of these uh, uh, commercials telling you how to, the tonnage you put on is now the tonnage you can take off if you take this particular stuff and so on and so forth like that. So enjoy it today because you're in for Spartacus the next uh, month to six weeks. So we usually do that or for the religious among us. Uh, we're going to pray more. We're going to go to church more. We're going to be nicer, kinder, more understanding, more giving. The list goes on and on. Uh, if you're a student, a young person, you're going to study, you're going to obey your parents, you're going to be nicer to your brother or sister, all of those kind of things. And usually before the last morsel of the turkey is eaten, all of those are broken. You know, they, 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 they join the pile of toys that last week you got and now are all broken or, or old and not interested in anymore. Um, the Christian is invited to do something different today. We don't make resolutions. We don't. Today is a day when we make petitions. And there's a world of difference between a resolution and a petition. At Mass, we do not have the prayers of, re of resolutions. We have the petitions prayers of the faithful. Because you see, a resolution is me doing it myself on my own. I have my bottle of sparkling water, I have my muscle milk, and I have my uh, five-hour energy drink, and I'm gonna engage life in a kind of muscular way. I'm gonna do it myself. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. In other words, it's the individual imperial self needing no one and no thing that is going to be able to conquer 
that which we will contest all of our lives as long as we are living, the self, the cravings of the self, what I want, when I want it, how I want it. In every great uh, disruption, every great disturbance within and without is the result of obeying and worshiping the imperial self. And a resolution is bound to fail because it is based on the illusion that I am self-perfectible. It's like the person who is drowning in a pool and thinks that they can pull themselves out of the pool by their own hair. You can't. It requires someone or something to give you that assistance out of the pool, otherwise you will drown. You cannot save yourself. That's as old as Pelagius. Pelagius was one of the earliest of the heresies. We don't really need Jesus Christ as the Savior because I can do it on my own. I can become good enough, virtuous enough, holy enough, spiritual enough, that Jesus basically becomes obsolete. I can do it. And a resolution says that I am able through enough willpower, through enough intelligence, enough determination, enough AIDS. If I need AIDS, it'll be AIDS uh, from the, the, the um, Rite Aid or the Walgreens or some video or some book on self-help that I'm reading or some group that I join. But it's really up to me and me alone the isolated, individual, autonomous self, that this resolution I have made is something I'm going to do for myself. Petitions are very different. Petitions are much harder than resolutions because the first step is the most difficult step in making a petition. If we really do a petition and not just read off some list from a book that's prepackaged and prepaid and all that sort of stuff. But if we really, really pay attention to a petition, it must begin with something that we just detest, especially in our culture, in our history, and in our moment in this time and in this culture. We have to admit our weakness. A petition is saying, I need help. And that is something most of us don't like in an age of self-affirmation, self-promotion, a kind of muscular approach to life. Don't let them see you sweat. Never say you're sorry. Don't apologize. Don't ask for need. That's a, don't, ask, don't be in need because that's a sign of weakness. And yet, you cannot approach a petition without an acknowledgement, either explicitly or implicitly, that by myself I'm incomplete and I need you to help me. And I can't do it on my own. 
And we realize that in the petition, it begins and it ends with a vertical movement of the soul or the self. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. It's not we pray to the self. It's not we pray to the kingdom of humankind. We pray to the Lord because by ourselves, we cannot save ourselves. And it is the recognition that the need of grace, who better to be at the head of the calendar every new year than the Blessed Mother? Some people find it a puzzlement that the church would hold out the Blessed Mother. Why the Blessed Mother? Why, why not St. Joseph? Why not Jesus? Why not some great biblical figure? Mary, at the time of the Annunciation, was a very, very young person. They estimate to be perhaps a teenager. And all of this comes upon her. You're going to be the mother of God. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to conceive through the Holy Spirit. All of that comes to you. The great promises that have been made millennia ago to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to King David, is now in the fullness of time going to take place in you. Now that's staggering beyond comprehension. But Mary, she doesn't. She doesn't go out and begin promoting herself. She doesn't have a block party and say, oh, come celebrate me. Did you hear the news I have? Of all these things that are going to happen and of all the people that could have been chosen, I did it. You know, I must really be holy, good, terrific, spiritual, virtuous. She's deeply troubled and wonders what all this means. And how does she respond to all of this? Not by celebrating herself or trying to find out why she is so blessed. Let it be as you say. Let it be as you say. Not me, but thee. And the Magnificat. We walk around with these Magnificats and all this kind of stuff. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, for he has looked upon his lowly handmaid, and the Almighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary's strength is in being self-possessed, and as I mentioned yesterday, Mary knows who she is and who she is. And that's a very important thing because the world wants to tell you who you are and who owns you. Turn on your television. Everybody wants a piece of you. And the ability to stand for something so you don't fall for everything, so you stand for something and don't fall for everything, is crucial in the balanced life, in living a holy life, because the, one of the first steps in sanctity is sanity. 
You can't be off balance and be a saint. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said, holiness, but always with prudence, always with good judgment. And Mary shows us it is not a resolution. Mary is a revolution, a radical revolution, because the Latin root of radical means root, origin, foundation. And what is her radical, revolutionary response to this angel Gabriel who comes to her? Let it be as you say, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. That's the difference between a petition and a resolution. The resolution has little chance of passing. The petition is always heard. Not necessarily how we want it, when we want it, but it's always heard by Almighty God. And Mary's great statement, let it be as you say, and I'm almost finished, is echoed when Mary is present at the first sign of Jesus Christ in his ministry in the Gospel of John at the wedding feast in Cana. And they run out of wine. And Mary really gives the essence of the Christian life, doesn't she? They come to her and they say they have no more wine. They're thirsty. What are we going to do? And Jesus, uh, Mary says to Jesus, uh, says to the head waiter, do what he tells you. Let it be as you say, do what he tells you. That's the essence of discipleship, to do what Christ tells us. To be God-sensitive, God-alert, to be God-aware, and to have our whole being open, to truly listen to what God speaks to us every day of our lives, every day. The fact that God woke you up this morning, and here you are. God has something for you uniquely to do today that nobody else can do, that nobody else is capable of doing. You are totally and completely incapable and unworthy of doing somebody else. But God doesn't want you to do that. Only you are capable of doing what God has called you to do. Let it be as you say. Do what he tells you. And Mary is found at the foot of the cross, along with the beloved disciple. She receives her son from the cross, the great Michelangelo Pieta. But it doesn't end there. St. Luke tells us in Acts of the Apostles, when that Pentecost came, she was there with the disciples in the upper room. 
and the wind blew the door open and the tongues of fire came down and they rested upon Mary. And she and the disciples went forth. And Mary was assumed into heaven. And so Mary, who received her son from the cross, is now received by her son in heaven in her glorious assumption. And it goes all the way back. Let it be as you say. Do what he tells you. May we travel with Mary in our petitions and in our daily life the way forward. May Mary's words find their way into our hearts every day. O Lord, let it be as you say. Let us do all you say. For we never walk alone. The Lord is always with us and within us. May his word every day be ours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.